Hello and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 396 and I'm your host Joshua Blum. Today we're going to have a slightly different type of episode and it is actually still a follow-up to something we did last week which was talking about making The Hunter from A Shadow in the Moonlight which is the prequel to the 13th Hour. But this is a little bit more interactive. This is um, in a way I guess this is a little bit about archery which we talked about a little bit last time. I've talked about archery uh, throughout the 13th Hour books, something I started when I was 13, after having liked uh, making, you know, bows and arrows and things like that, you know, in the, in the backyard out of tree branches when I was a kid, and reading about American Indians, and it was, it was just something I enjoyed. And uh, eventually, my dad uh, uh, ended up taking me to an archery range after enough nagging and probably um, wanting to... Uh, you know, probably ensure uh, better safety than, than than me making these things on my own and, and them often probably not, not the safest ways and, and probably them breaking and, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. You know, it was it was something that um, I ended up doing for a number of years in a fairly week, consistent weekly basis. And then I stopped for a little while uh, and then picked it up again when I was a little bit older. Uh, you know, it was probably shortly before the 13th Hour was published and I, up to that point, I had learned one particular style of it, which is the kind that they use in the Olympics. Um, and it is a, a, a style that is, is normally taught in sort of like Western archery, I guess you could say. The draw, um, you use uh, three fingers typically of um, your rear hand to pull, pull, pull the, uh, the bow, the string back. And so if you're right-handed, you'll be drawing with your right hand. The arrow is put on the left-hand side of the bow, and if you're you're left-handed, it would be the opposite. But you typically use a sight, and you aim with that, and you adjust it according to the distance. So the range that I was uh, shooting at was typically 20 yards, and so you have a sight that's zeroed in for that. And uh, I was shooting a recurve, uh, but some people would shoot compound bows and things like that. I remember a tournament that I went to, and I think it was maybe the only one I went to. I wasn't really super into that sort of stuff, but my sight actually broke, or maybe it was the arrow rest, I don't remember. It was part of the equipment that I had broke. I think it was the rest. It was a little thing that the arrow rests on, and it broke, and that meant that the weight of the arrow would kind of pull the rest down, and that meant the arrows would would, would kind of flop around. And, they, and so it was very, I remember it being very inconsistent, you know, in the shooting, and I didn't really have time to adjust on the fly, you know, with the sights. Sights are kind of a pain. You have to like shoot a few, adjust, shoot a few, adjust. So, you know, in the, in the span of a competition, you don't really have the time to do that or really have the, the uh, your, your sights are already supposed to be zeroed in for that particular range. Uh, and if you're probably better with it, you probably could adjust on the, on the fly. Uh, but I was never very good at adjusting the sights. So I, I remember always being confused by that because I was trying to, you know, how would you necessarily know what the distance was? I still don't entirely understand this. You know, how do you know, like, when you're shooting at something, what you, what the distance is going to be? How do you know that that's 10 yards? How do you know that's 20 yards? I don't know. So how do you know that you're, the sites that you have gauged, you know, are, are actually going to be accurate if you don't actually know the distance? So I guess what you, I think some other bows, they, they'll have it you know, 10, 20, 30 yards or whatever like that. And you you kind of like maybe estimate, I guess, 
in in the field if you're like if you don't know the distance exactly and you kind of aim in between i don't know so i was kind of frustrated with that whole thing like that that's perfect for a a very controlled setting but like how like it couldn't have always been done that way right and so so yeah i mean if you look at archery throughout most of human history i mean it was always instinctive meaning like it is something that is it kind of like throwing a ball when you when you throw a ball you don't aim you're well you do actually in a way right there's no sights you do aim but you aim with your brain uh and you bring and you aim with your intention right so so the instinctive part of archery is really no different in that you are aiming but you're using your body to do it as opposed to a, a mechanical device if you've ever shot a a firearm uh there are sights on it um there's a front and there's a rear sight in in many cases uh or sometimes it's just a front sight but either way you have to line those things up but um it is sort of instinctive in that you know you're pointing it in a particular direction and the sights just tell you you know the how how canted forward or back uh the uh you know the uh, the the firearm the the the, the barrel is and uh, that you can get more fancy you know with uh with this, uh, a dot sight and a scope and all that kind of stuff like that but uh the the traditional quote unquote iron sights is a little bit more on the instinctive side and of course if you're just shooting at close range you may not aim at all you just sort of point it in the direction you shoot and you you know at a certain range you're probably not going to you know a couple feet it's probably you're probably going to be okay but uh with with longer distances you know it, it's uh, a little bit of a different story and the same with with archery so i was thinking like okay there's got to be there's got to be a different way because i remember the the whole sight thing and the mechanical aspect of it just kind of took a lot of the fun out of it i thought for me i ended up learning that there is there are plenty of people that shoot instinctively they don't use any sights at all and you can actually train yourself to do that pretty well and in fact that's how most of the world actually does it uh outside of like sort of the olympic sort of uh, style i ended up uh looking into that there's there's a whole world of that there's a traditional archery community in the west that that does that using like sort of more traditional materials traditional bows which i wasn't that far off from before but they don't they often shoot quote unquote bare bow um which is typically without sights not always but um usually and and the the process of doing it is basically this is as i described is that you some people will sight right down the arrow kind of like you would with a barrel of a gun um but some people do not they will it's kind of hard to describe they they basically you aim you you'll use some part of the bow to aim uh usually it's it's maybe the arrow or a part of the the uh the bow like the handle or your hand or something like that to to gauge uh you know is this more or less the right position or not and then you kind of aim the same way you throw a ball so meaning you're aiming with your with your mind and uh it takes a little bit of getting used to meaning like the um in in the beginning it's not necessarily intuitive but then once you do it for a while it it you 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 adjust on the fly Now sometimes bows will shoot to the left or the right or whatever and then you have to adjust to that but for the most part it's one of those things that you uh you can adjust to pretty quickly once you get the hang of it. I I did that for quite a while and then I eventually 
One of the bows I got was a Korean bow, and it was actually meant to be shot with a thumb. It's a, it was a very short, kind of compact bow. It was very uncomfortable to shoot with my fingers. I, my fingers would actually, in fact, go numb when I would do it. Uh, it was fairly, it was, it was somewhat heavy, probably somewhere around 60 to 65 pounds, somewhere in that range at my particular draw, draw length, maximum draw length. So that's the other thing is that when you pull back the bow, uh, the farther you pull it back, the, the more tension builds up in the bow and the, the, the stronger the draw weight. Usually above weights of somewhere around 35 pounds are generally considered acceptable for hunting. Higher, higher poundages, you know, the bow will be more powerful to shoot farther and, you know, so forth. Uh, above a certain point, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. If you don't hunt, if you're not shooting at high distances, it's hard to know, like, how, you know, how much, <laughs> like, how high do you necessarily want to go if it's not like a macho kind of thing. Like, I want to, you know, pull a really heavy bow back to just to see if I can do it. So I think for, in this particular case, uh, I was often shooting, you know, sometimes at fairly close ranges, sometimes it was shoot inside and, and that was sort of too, too, too much. The arrows would, they would shoot very fast and uh, at, at a range they, they would as well. Um, but I found that uh, the, the whole finger thing was, was, was really a downer. And that's primarily because it was meant to be shot with a thumb and the string angle, because it was a fairly compact bow, was too acute and it would kind of compress my fingers together and they would, after, you know, you do it for an hour, two hours, your fingers will really get pinched together. So I ended up changing my draw style a little bit. Instead of having one finger uh, above the arrow and two fingers below, like I was originally taught, I would have three below and that sort of worked. Uh, but my fingers were still kind of compressed and um, the the fingers, the, the nails would kind of rub together. And I tried using a really heavy glove and things like that. And it, it just, it didn't really work terribly well. So I eventually said like, okay, I have to learn how to do this thumb draw method. A huge part of the world actually does this. So what it is, is that the, 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 the bow is actually drawn back with a thumb alone. You use something over your thumb either a piece of leather or a ring that's hard, made of bone or, or plastic or whatever. And uh, it allows you to actually accommodate a, a fairly short bow because the string angle will be very acute. And, and if you look at people that uh, shoot in uh, much of Asia, they actually draw it back really far past their, past their, past their head, almost to their chest or, you know, to their, um, yeah, in some cases to their chest or past their ear. Now, uh, you need fairly long arrows for that. One of the issues that I, I found is that my, my draw length is already pretty long, and it's quite hard to find arrows that are longer than a certain point. Usually it's about 32 inches. It's harder to find arrows longer than that. It's also harder to find bows that can be drawn further than that point. The traditional sort of Chinese draw or whatever, I mean, where they draw much farther than that, I can't quite do just because I can't find arrows that are long enough and I can't find a bow that I can actually go that far. I'm sure I could find one somewhere, but it is not so easy. Um, you could, you can, and for a while I was making them, I made a bunch of them that I could do just that. Uh, and, uh, those are, those are, those are made out of PVC pipe for the most part. And, uh, so that was a fun thing to do that I did a number of years ago. I haven't made a bow in quite some time at the time when I wrote, 
um, or I, I, I finished, um, I, I put out A Shadow in the Moonlight. I made a bow that was, that, you know, became like the hunter's bow. I, I wanted to have one that I modeled that I could use to describe sort of in the book, you know. So anyway, over the past couple of years, uh, I've learned a, a different style, which is this thumb draw Asiatic style. That's the kind that's, that's found in places like Turkey and other parts of like Eastern Europe and Asia, most of Asia uses it, China, Japan, Korea. I actually like it a lot better. I, I find the, I, at this point, the style I, I typically often will use is the traditional Chinese style. And I draw the bow with my thumb, in this case, my right thumb. And I draw it to my, about to my chin. Interestingly enough, in Western archery, the what's called the anchor point, which is the place you draw the bow, the bow to on your generally on your face, is has to be always consistent, or you're always taught to be consistent. In this particular other style uh, that I learned, uh, it does not need to be consistent. It could be floating around because the whole idea is you would be on horseback, and so the it could be all over the place. It may not necessarily even be a full draw. It might be somewhere that's more out in front of you. It's not anchored to anything. And the, the only way that you're consistent is by having the same form that you do again and again and again. And with that then becomes the, uh, comes the aiming. The aiming is done, as I said, uh, you know, instinctively, but it's often done again with, um, with a whole, it's with your whole body. You're aiming not just with your eyes. You're not just necessarily aiming with your mind. You're aiming with your whole body. Um, so one, one thing that actually um, it, you do, and it totally looks like you're going to shoot your finger off, but you're not going to, is you actually point. You actually point with your index finger on the hand that's holding the bow, and that helps you aim because that actually, you know, we've been used to pointing our whole lives. You know, point at this, point at that, point at that. When you point in the direction that the bow hand, the, the hand holding the bow is going in, that is the direction that you, your arm will go, and that is the direction the arrow will go. So you hold that out. At a certain angle, yes, it will look like you will shoot off your finger. Now, if you wrap your finger around the arrow, yes, that's gonna, that's the arrow fletching will go into your hand, and that's not, not a good thing. But if you just point straight ahead in the direction that you want to shoot, you will, you will do exactly that. When you do that, interestingly enough, uh, that helps guide you. That is sort of the aiming point that I often will use. And then the other thing that's a little bit interesting about this is that the arrow is actually on the opposite side as you as it would be in Western archery. So, and the reason for this is because when you draw with the thumb, uh, the uh, you're wrapping the arrow around the other way. And what that ends up doing is because of the tension that you're putting on the string, it's opposite. It's uh, from the, uh, the direction that the, um, uh, like a Western archer will use. But what that does is that you're curling away from the string and that will, there's an opposite reaction and that'll lock the arrow into the side of the bow. And I don't, that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But what that means effectively is that you can hold the bow basically upside down or sort of like where the arrow is facing downward and you can if you curl your thumb against that and draw you can actually the arrow will not fall off it'll be pressing it against the side of the bow meaning like if you're on horseback you don't have to worry about the arrow falling off and this was always a thing that would happen in western archery if you if, if you don't sort of 
you're not careful enough or you're not, you don't tilt the bow. You're, uh, Olympic archers don't tilt the bow or, or can't the bow. But if you don't, if you don't uh, pay attention to this, you'll, it, it, the arrow will flop off the rest uh, or off your hand if you're shooting that way. And um, obviously it won't work. So you don't have to worry about that actually with uh, the thumb draw style. So what I thought we could do is I thought we could actually shoot a couple arrows and you'll actually see, I like to describe it as it goes. Now I gotta find a place to put the, uh, the mic here so that it does not get in the way. So I think this, will, this should be okay right here. So I have, a, I have a bow right here. I have a couple of arrows. Now, what I often will do is I, I, this is something I've been practicing. This is not something I was necessarily taught to do, but, um, I've liked holding the, the, uh, the arrows in my hand because I find it just, um, it kind of gives me a couple that I can hang out with. Uh, I, I don't necessarily need to go fiddling and finding the, uh, you know, with the quiver and everything like that. Because you're only using one th a thumb to do it, you can actually use the fingers for something else. So I've also been working on trying to get the arrows on the string without, uh, without looking, which is, which is a bit of a challenge. Because when you're actually shooting, now I don't know if this really makes that much of a difference, but the, uh, there is a feather that typically should be oriented out, meaning it'll, it'll deflect there's less risk of deflection if it hits the bow. So some people avoid this by just using two feathers or four feathers. Um, but uh, if you use three, then in theory, that's probably uh, the right thing to do. I don't actually know if it makes that much of a difference, to be honest with you. The arrow is traveling pretty fast and it's going to be wobbling. Or if you've ever seen a, it'll be wobbling around the bow. This is thing called the archer's paradox. So I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but uh, I've been working on trying to knock the arrows, put the arrows on the string without actually looking at the, uh, at the string itself. So it's just something that takes practice. So I'm, hold I'm standing in this position more or less sideways, although I find that um, the very locked, rigid kind of position that I originally learned way back when I was 13 uh, is not necessarily the way I typically will stand now. But you are bladed, uh, and uh, so you're sideways. The, uh, the arrow is on the, uh, in this case, it is the right side of the bow. I have my index finger of my left hand that is pointing straight out. And I'm going to draw the bow and release. And I'm gonna put in another arrow. Probably hear it there. And a snap as the arrow gets knocked. And a third one. There we go. And I'm not using a particular, get a few more arrows here. I'm not using a, uh, a traditional anchor point here. I'm using, I guess the side of my face, but, uh, I'm actually not touching my face. I'm shooting at a distance of, uh, less than 10 feet. One thing I try to do actually at that, just even at that distance is try to get the arrows as close to each other as possible called a, 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 a close grouping. And what that means, if they're close together, that means you're doing the same thing over and over again. And so in this case, it's the draw that's the same thing. Let's see, I'll describe it as I'm doing it. So I've got my thumb right under the arrow. And um, 
of the arrow, the little little tail part, the knock, and uh, I've got my index finger kind of curling over my thumb. Sort of hard to describe, but um, you know when people often use a try to shoot a bow, they'll they'll try to pinch the end of the arrow together, and you can shoot that way, although it's harder to do a heavier bow. Although you can support that kind of draw, that pinch draw with other fingers, but the way often like a little a little kids will do it, and this is the way often my kids. Uh, will try to do um, like a kid's bow is they'll take their thumb and they'll take their like the side of their index finger and try to pull it back just like that. So it kind of looks like that. Um, the thumb draw actually uh, that's just sort of like friction holding the knock on. It's really hard to use a heavier bow that way. But if you use your thumb and you curl it around the bottom and you kind of uh, reinforce that by using the uh, index finger to wrap around, you can accommodate a lot of weight. You know, Mongol archers would use this. I mean, the 100-pound bow or something like that. I mean, you can, you can do a lot. Um, and then the, the, the sort of traditional Chinese style um, has you raise the bow up kind of above your head and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I basically do do that. Although I, what I tend to do, I think, is I push out with the front hand as I'm drawing back with the rear hand. Let's see, and it's kind of like a, the way I was taught is kind of like a circle. You're kind of making a circle in, in, the, uh, in the air, I guess. A little harder to describe. And, and then I'm kind of like going up on my legs and then sinking back down a little bit, I guess, as I'm drawing. So it's like a, I rise up and then I come back down. And then, it's a little weird to describe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go so that's uh that's a little bit about archery and uh i thought i would read a little bit from this part of the uh the book here that describes the archer in shadow in the moonlight hunting a deer i read some from this last time he's talking about his bow which i think i read some of this last time but it says the bow is short less than four feet long for easy maneuverability in the woods I was thinking about one of these bows that could be shot on horseback. Although he had others, he preferred, or he favored this one for its ability to break in two for ease of carrying and its black leather covering, which did not reflect sunlight or moonlight, something he was thankful for now. He found himself holding his breath as he inched forward, unable to believe his luck. 20 yards, he knocked an arrow as quietly as possible, keeping his finger on the string. 15 yards, he sighted intently at his target, eyes on the area of the deer's body that held its most vital organs. That's the instinctive part that I mentioned. 10 yards, he drew the bow in one smooth motion. And despite the draw weight increasing heavily the last few inches, that's something called stacking, where shorter bows sometimes will do that more, like the last couple of inches where the, the poundage will go up quite a bit. He anchored his fingers firmly at the corner of his mouth. That's the whole anchor point that I was uh, I mentioned. Uh, user practice meant he could hold the bow at full draw until confident of his aim. When he finally released the bowstring, let out a sharp twang that echoed. So that's, uh, that's a little bit on there about... Uh, I, I was kind of influenced by the real life kind of thing and, and wrote about it uh, over there. So if you ever had a chance to try archery, I would totally recommend it if you do it at a camp or a range or even just in someone's backyard. And uh, I would say, you know, you obviously want to make sure that you do it safely. Unless you're trying to shoot some, some something like you're you're hunting or something like that, you you know most of the time when people are shooting at a target, they uh, they'll they'll um, 
they need to, well, I would say all the time, you need to consider like where you're shooting at. And so arrows can go really far, they really can. And so uh, you wanna make sure that you are, you're doing it, you're doing it safely. And uh, I typically will do it against a backstop, uh, against either say a wall or in the, what I was doing there was against a whole bunch of boxes that are compressed uh, together, or you, you can get a blanket or a rug or something like that and put it in back. And so it swings, if the arrows hit it, then they'll just sort of fall down um, because it'll, it'll knock the momentum right out of the arrows. Uh, essentially that's what happens. So there's uh, quite a bit of, uh, uh, that you can do even in a short space that you can do. Now, if you have a very uh, powerful bow, you have to be much more careful and uh, you, it's a little bit harder to, uh, to do some of those things. But I would say even with a quite powerful bow, uh, you can make it so that you can shoot it safely in, in a pretty small space. So the, um, the, those things, you know, apply. And, and often when I would go to the range and stuff like that, people were shooting their traditional hunting bows and stuff like that. You know, we're talking, you know, 50 to 70 pounds often. Like with a compound bow, there's often a, you can hold a lot less uh, because of the mechanical advantage. And so something that's 80 pounds, it might be 50% let off and you're only holding 40 at the full draw. So that's the part that's harder is to hold it actually, not necessarily to draw it, uh, it past the, you know, uh, the initial part of it. So there in the, th in the 13th hour sequels, what I wanted to do is that uh, I want to include some more of this as Logan and Aurora on their island um, and they're adjusting to life there and they're trying to hunt. And the, uh, the, the people that live there, the, the, these um, group of half elves, and uh, they use the traditional sort of thumb draw way of shooting. Uh, that I kind of described there, though they can, they, they, they do it, um, again, I, I meant it for it to be like on horseback. And so they would, that's the style that Aurora and Logan then use, which is a very different for them. And I thought I would talk about that there. And I also wanted to make it so that they could shoot either side, left or right side, which is something that, um, people on horseback sometimes will have traditionally done. And, uh, which is not something you t traditionally see like a lot of Western folks doing. So, that's a that's a, a little thing on uh, on archery, and I'll probably come back to that at some point in the future to talk about it again here more. But it's something I enjoy practicing. It's almost kind of a meditative kind of thing in a way, which is actually how the Japanese do it uh, often in uh, like Kyoto. Uh, this is like traditional Japanese Zen style of doing archery. Hey, thanks for joining me on this little archery uh, archery adventure and. Uh, you will hear more of these things in the future as the, uh, they come up in future books. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a couple last-minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website, 13thhr.wordpress.com, or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind-the-scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also 
for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important, even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.